Where'd Kent go? Oh, over there. Kent, can you tell what happened or can I tell what happened with that testimony you shared? You want me to do it? Is it okay? Yeah, so, um, so the Marx family, their son Theo, is on his way to China for seven, seven weeks, right? I think. And um, he's there for a school assignment. So they went, to the, um, they went to JFK yesterday. He was supposed to fly out at 4.50. And Theo's uh, flight was booked with Expedia under the name of Theo Marx. But Theo's formal name is Theophilus. And I bet you some of you can guess what potentially was going to happen as he got to the, the check-in. Air China said, well, you're your information, your passport, your identification doesn't match your ticket. And if it's more than three letters off, they won't let you through. And so because it was booked through Expedia, Air China wouldn't allow them to change it. So after an hour and a half on the phone with Expedia, trying to contact Air China to change it through a third party, finally they realized the only option was to cancel the ticket and buy another one. And so... Interestingly enough, in terms of God's provision, because Theo's flight got changed from 4.50 to what, 2, two o'clock in the morning? 2.40 a.m. is when he flew out. But the new ticket cost $300 more. Well, a few weeks ago, or a few months ago, when Theo was planning this trip, Kent's mom said, I'd like to help. And she provided some money that was supposed to go towards expenses that Theo might have, but uh, I'll let you guess how much money she gave them to use. $300. So there was the $300 to cover the ticket. Now, that story actually fits right into what I want to talk about this morning. Because I'm guessing, we won't ask Kent to reveal anything, but I'm guessing there was some real righteous anger <laughs> yesterday going on. Like, this is, this is ridiculous this is, you know, all the Christian curse words they could come up with about all, all of that situation. And, yeah, and then some. And maybe some not, you know, not so careful words that they shared. And uh, I was thinking about, there was a, there's a Christian comedian named Jeff Allen that make, it tells funny stories about his family, about his wife and his kids. And he, he has this line when he says, he says, when my wife is upset at me, when she's angry at me or about a situation, he says, her statement is, that just frosts me. And so he mocks her. He says, that just frosts me. Just makes me so upset. And so I want you to think with me for just a minute. You don't have to call them out. But I want you just to kind of let some things bubble up right now. I mean, what are some things that just, it can be that person that goes through the, you know, makes a turn, a wide turn, left turn. It can be something as bad as uh, something in our culture that just makes you upset. That just everybody think I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you ten seconds just to get really riled up. Okay, you know, I'm mad as, and I'm not going to take it anymore. You know, that kind of riled up, just ugh. Okay, you got ten seconds. <laughs> Didn't take very long, right? So most of the time, that's exactly the way it is. It's like, 
it's like front and center how we feel, right? And so that's it. There you go. See, Byron's expressing it for us all, how we feel. So what I'd like us to do is turn to the book of James chapter 1. Um, we're going to look at <clears throat> just a few verses there today, mainly verses 19 through 21. But the first uh, thing we want to do is we want to look at the two verses that we looked at last week that say every good and perfect, every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. And what I talked about last week is that we have a responsibility to carry the legacy of the Father. His DNA is in us and so we have the privilege and the responsibility to carry forward that DNA to people around us. That's what we're trying to do uh, in everything that we encounter in our culture. But now I want you to go on to verses 19 through 21. And with that legacy in mind, I want us to look at the extension of what that means for us. Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Let me read that again. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with, with, with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Every one of us has a responsibility, if we're a believer, to bring the kingdom of God, which is described by Paul in another passage as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We have a responsibility to bring it into whatever place God puts us. Work, church, our families, school, Lowe's. I saw Mark yesterday leaving Lowe's. That was my first trip to Lowe's. After three trips of exchanging screens and finally saying you can keep your screens. <laughs> I have a responsibility to demonstrate the righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Spirit with, in that situation and with the people that I encounter. And so, the challenge that we have, and I think what James is speaking to, is if we have a hardened heart, instead of a teachable spirit, instead of producing righteousness, peace, and joy, we will produce unrighteousness, confusion, and despair. And how many of you know that we have enough unrighteousness, confusion, and despair around us? And so somebody needs to change the atmosphere. And that's the privilege and responsibility that each of us has as we encounter what James is talking about in James chapter 1. One of the things that happens to us, and I think when this most often, often occurs, where instead of bringing righteousness, peace, and joy, we bring unrighteousness, confusion, and despair, is when we get religious when we become like the Pharisees that Jesus encountered and we get this kind of self-righteous religious chip on our shoulder and instead of encountering situations with, uh, I don't mean 
with a passive love of Jesus, but with the gentle, direct, truthful love of Christ, when, when we're not careful and we don't keep our hearts tender and soft and vulnerable and teachable, what ends up happening is we quickly develop a chip on our shoulder, if not on each shoulder, and we go into situations with guns blazing, ready to blow away any situation or circumstance that gets in the way of what we think should be right. And we may be entirely right. In fact, oftentimes we are. But, but James is saying, let me give you a different approach that you're able to do or use that can actually bring a different result. Because if you go into a situation with a religious chip on your shoulder, you're not going to get the results that God desires or intends for you to get. This anger that James is talking about in this passage is anger, and we've all ex- have, have seen it. Um, maybe we've been the ones that have produced it. Maybe we've been the ones that have been victims of it. But this anger that he's describing can be destructive to individuals. It can be destructive to a family. It can tear a family apart. It can ruin a community. And actually, sadly enough, it can destroy a culture. But if we pay attention to the words that Jesus or that James gives us, these words have the ability to produce transformation instead of destruction. And that's what we're trying to go after. And it comes from having the understanding or the gift of understanding or the gift of a teachable spirit instead of having this religious chip on our shoulder of self-righteousness. And so, as we looked at the two passages that we read earlier, what James is describing actually comes out of the character of God. That's His nature. To be slow to anger. To be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. That's His very nature. In fact, we won't, I won't ask you to turn there or look at this, but in James chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, in describing wisdom, James says, wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And in this description, James is saying this wisdom is from above. So this is heavenly wisdom. This is heaven-to-earth type wisdom that only happens because we've had an encounter with God. He changes our hearts so we, in effect, can change the relationships around us and even change the very culture around us. So let's go back to this passage. And so if we can bring up James 1, 19-21 again. Turn there, take a look at the screen. And I want to have you look at this a little bit at a time. Verse 19 Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. The phrase, know this, is a very strong, imperative command. It's like, get this. Don't miss this. Before I go into the rest of the, what I have to say, you better get this. It's not like, if you feel like it, if you think it, if you come across this idea in your studies and you feel like it's a good idea, then please adapt it into your world. It's basically James is saying, this is everything. So know this and get it. 
And then in verse 19, he says, let every person. In other words, there are no exceptions. This is all inclusive. No one is excused from this command or these directions. All of us like to come up with excuses. But what about this situation? James says, no. Know this. Let all of you. Well, yeah, but you don't know what kind of situation I came from. James says, it doesn't matter. Let the Holy Spirit transform that situation and understand this is, there are no exceptions to this. Let every person. And he's saying this is for every temperament. Well, but I tend to, you know, I can't help myself. I tend to fly off the handle. I'm kind of high strung. It doesn't matter whether you're high strung or not. High strung, low strung, medium strung, it doesn't matter. He's saying we have the tools at our disposal to produce and promote God's righteous purpose. And the warning from this passage is that there are certain tools that we can use that bring destruction or we can use tools that bring transformation and the choice is up to us so we have a choice to make as we look at these passages and verse 19 continues to say be quick to hear slow to speak and slow to anger so let me just read you some passages from the old testament that describe the nature of god think about it if god did not withhold His anger from us, what would happen to us? Yeah, what was the... I figure VJ can answer this question. I know some of the others of you could answer this. The movie before last, where everybody, at the end of the movie, where... Yeah, Infinity War. What happens to, everybody, to some of the, the superheroes at the end of Infinity War? Because of... Thanatos. Oh, it doesn't matter. If they haven't seen it by now, they, they deserve to have a spoiler. Oh, they haven't seen it? Layton's going, what are you talking about? So what happens to the superheroes that encounter? They're, they turn to dust. Sorry, Layton. Yeah, we just saved you three hours. You don't even need to go to see the movie now. <laughs> right. But, but if God did not hold his, withhold His anger, we would literally just be obliterated. I mean, just consider that for just a moment. And so, if we carry His nature in us, we need to understand that who do we think we are? really, to extend anger in a situation without making sure that we have channeled it through the direction and the guiding of God's teaching in our life. Listen to these passages. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 31. Nevertheless, in your great mercies you did not make an end of them or forsake them, for you are gracious and, and a merciful God. Exodus 34, 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaim the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Numbers 14.18 The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. 
but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations. Psalm 86.15, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Joel chapter 2, verse 13, Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. We should be forever grateful that God is slow to speak and slow to anger for our sake. And as we receive that benefit in a heart of thanksgiving, we carry that teachable heart of thanksgiving into encounters that we run into where everything justifies and presents the opportunity to be angry. But the Holy Spirit comes to check us and say, but think about how the Father responds. And then respond accordingly in a way that brings a difference to the situation. Verse 19 is really describing that how we react to a situation reveals what's in us. It reveals whether the Father's DNA is in us or not. If it's being really reflected and having an impact in us. And if we, if we react with anger, then the Word planted in our souls is, is not taking root. Because James says later in this passage, it's the Word of God implanted in your souls helps to change the way you respond to situations. If we react with peace and gentleness and meekness, then we know that the Word of God is implanted. Because, because teachability, having a gentle spirit, being able to adapt to changes because, the, because God's Word changes us, and we say, you know, I can approach this differently, it implies that meekness and gentleness and vulnerability. Now, the challenge for us is when you hear things like meekness and being vulnerable and, and being gentle... That sounds passive. That sounds like, what are you trying to say? Are, you trying to, are we trying to create a bunch of weak, namby-pamby, just ro roll over me, just beat me up, Christians? No, not at all. The reality is, you know, Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And the word meekness is, 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 is controlled strength. We have the authority of God to speak in the situations. We have the authority of God to bring to bear His truth. But it doesn't mean we have to go like a bull in a china shop to bring about differences in situations. We can do it a different way. And we can do it in a way that actually defines us as very powerful. And that's the simple message of these verses. A person with a teachable spirit experiences the most powerful thing that any one of us could ever want, which is the salvation of our souls. Because that's what James says this type of attitude produces. It's fear that opposes teachability. It's fear that produces anger and defensiveness and a disregard for the words and the tone of our words coming from our mouth. That's actually reflective of fear. It's not reflective of the love of God. And so in verse 20, James makes it very clear. He says, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. 
And that's, that statement is, again, a very clear declarative statement. We can come up with all sorts of logical reasons. But what about this situation? And what about this situation? And what about this circumstance? And what about if I've been abused this way or that way? Or whatever way you can think of, it will, your response with anger will not produce the righteousness of God. That doesn't mean we're not interested in the righteousness of God. That doesn't mean we're not interested in making things right. But the message of James is, this is not the way to do it. Having that kind of attitude and that chip on your shoulder is not going to accomplish what you think it's going to accomplish. There's a better way. There's a way that can make a difference. Now, Jesus modeled that for us because the disciples, they thought we should use anger. And there was one time recorded in the book of Luke that Jesus was rejected, made fun of, despised for what He did. And you may remember in this story, the people didn't receive Jesus and the disciples said, let's call down fire from heaven. Yeah! And Jesus says, stop. Because the, the Scripture says, He rebuked them. I don't know about you, but I'm not really interested in being rebuked by Jesus. He rebuked them. He said, stop. That doesn't represent who we are. We can accomplish what you're after, but you don't have to do it that way. There's another story in the book of Acts chapter 16 where Paul and Silas are in jail and they're singing praises to God in the middle of the night. Now understand, they're not in a you know, low security prison where they've had three full meals a day and all of that kind of stuff. They're, they're in a place that's a dungeon that's dark and nasty and rats and cockroaches and dirty water and they probably hadn't had much to eat. And they're singing the praises of God and the earth shakes and their chains break. The door opens and they're allowed out. And right there is this guard. And I bet you this guard being a Roman guard that he was, I'm pretty sure that he probably spat at them. He probably cursed them. He did everything that he was trained to do. He probably, you know, he didn't say, hey boys, here's your place. I mean, here's a nice cot for you to lay in. And can I get some sheets for you? I mean, is the, wa- is the temperature okay in here? He didn't do that. He probably grabbed them and threw them in the prison. And he probably took the chains and the shackles and wrapped them around their wrist as tightly as he could. And he said, is that tight enough? Oh, let me make it a little tighter. And he probably treated them with meanness and all sorts of ways that justified Paul and Silas to say, all right, we're out now. Where's that guard? Let's take him out. But instead, the guard exhibits fear because he realizes It's not going to be Paul and Silas that take him out. It's going to be the authorities because he's let them free. And Paul and Silas are quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And they are able to speak to this man and produce salvation not only for him, but Acts chapter 16 says, he and all of his house were saved. The challenge for us, everyone, is that His salvation in our lives and in the lives of people around us is way more important than our personal justification of our anger. 
It doesn't mean that it doesn't feel bad. It doesn't mean that we don't have a right to feel that way. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. But it doesn't mean that we have to exhibit it in a way that brings destruction to situations. One more example in Jesus' life is in Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus, the wee little man who's sitting up in a tree, sycamore tree, and Jesus passes by and says, let me come to your house. Do you remember what the reaction was of the people when Zacchaeus, when Jesus asked Zacchaeus to invite him into the, his house? What was the reaction? Come on, help me out. You know what the reaction was. It was outrage over what? He's a tax collector. He's like, what are you doing inviting a tax collector? We need to, we need to put him in the middle of the town and, and rope him up and put him in, 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 in a dungeon. We need to punish him. We need to... And instead, it's interesting what Jesus did. Jesus extends the mercy of God to Zacchaeus. And do you remember what Zacchaeus did as a result of the transformed heart that he had? It says that he paid every back buddy back four times what he had stolen from them. Not because Jesus pounded him with anger, but because Jesus presented to him the nature of the saving work of the kingdom of God. So, back to James. He says in verse 21, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive the meekness with meekness, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. That's what this anger produces. It produces bitterness, selfish ambi- ambition, trusting the world system to accomplish what God can only accomplish. It results in ignoring or disparaging the poor because they deserve it. Denying a discouraging faith, boasting about tomorrow as if I'm in control. It, it produces gossiping and it produces this thing in us that holds back unconditional love. As a believer, what kind of love have we received? Conditional or unconditional love? Let me try that again. As a believer, what have we received? Conditional or unconditional love? Now, the next question I have is this. What right do we have to hold back unconditional love? We don't have any right. We have given up that right because of the benefit of the unconditional love we received from the Father. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We, none of us deserve it. So now it's in our DNA to extend that to others. And even when we see something or discern something that stands against the righteousness of God, we will not produce a change by acting the same way that we might always act. And that's the choice we have to make. It's under our control. And it's a teachable spirit that produces righteousness. A right connection with God and a right connection with others is what righteousness really is. And at the end of verse 21, he says, Receive with meekness the implanted word, the implanted, receiving the implanted word implies a teachable spirit that increases a connection because it's receptive to God and it's not in fear of rejection from God. Whose job is it to control you?
Whose job is it to control Anna? It's Anna's job. Whose job is it to control Brittany? She's so hard to control. Whose job is it to control Brittany? It's Brittany's job. We can't control other people. The only person we can control is ourselves. And a person with a teachable spirit is a powerful person that is controlling themselves, that's disciplining themselves in situations and recognizing the power of being quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. It's because a person with a teachable spirit is trained to show courage and empathy and reason and compassion and justice and generosity when everybody around is wanting to throw stones. Someone has said that powerful people are not slaves to their instincts. Powerful people can respond with love in the face of pain and fear. This response ability is essential to building healthy relationships. And the way we have this ability to respond correctly is we receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. Now, uh, can we bring that verse back up again? See the last line, which is able to save your souls? Let me see if anybody knows Greek. Get your Greek New Testament out really quick, please. Anybody know what the word able is? What Greek word it is? Does anybody know what the Greek word dunamis means? Means power. What? Means power. It's the same word from which we get the word dynamite. And it's interesting to notice this as well. There's another place in the New Testament where the word dunamis is used. And I read it this morning. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says to the disciples, go wait in Jerusalem and you will receive dunamis to become witnesses. And James uses the same word, interestingly enough, receive with meekness, have a teachable, gentle heart, the implanted word, which is able to give you power, dunamis, explosive type power that will save your souls. Isn't that amazing? Paul says the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but power. And in the story of the... uh, the the seed and the sower, Jesus says, as for what is sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it, and indeed bears fruit and yields, and in one case a hundredfold, and another sixty, and another thirty. If we receive the implanted word gently, we have amazing power to bring transformation to, uh, to situations that we didn't know about before. So I want to end this morning with a story that Um, If I thought about it earlier, I would have gotten the video. And just so Stephanie doesn't get nervous, I'm not going to go into character (laughs) right now. But some of you have heard the name of Corey Ten Boom. How many have heard that name before? Okay. Um, Let me fill in the blanks for the rest of you as to who Corey Ten Boom is. Because I think this story really vividly portrays what James is talking about. Corrie ten Boom and her family lived in Holland. 
They were a Dutch family that protected Jews during World War II. When it was discovered that they were protecting Jews, the Nazis arrested them and had all of their family placed in concentration camps. And as far as I know, and you can correct me later if, if I'm wrong, but as far as I know, all of her family, except for Corrie ten Boom, of course, were killed or died in concentration camps because of their violation of the Nazi laws. And so Corrie ten Boom, who thankfully, by the grace of God, survived that horrible experience, she makes this statement later in her life. I, Corey Tin Boom lived after World War II, lived into her 90s, would go from one location to another, giving great, uh, sharing great testimonies of God's grace in her life. One of her famous lines is, There's no pit so deep that the love of God is not deeper still. And I want to read you a story that she shares. Besides talking about God's love, Corey's other favorite topic was forgiveness. Forgiveness wasn't something Corey just talked about. It was something she implemented in her life. In 1947, when she was speaking in Berlin, a man approached Corey and asked, Do you know who I am? It was then that Corey recognized the man as one of her guards at Ravensbrück. In fact, the man was one of the more cruel guards who had com committed horrible acts of cruelty against Corey and her sister Betsy. When the man asked Corey to forgive him, her immediate emotional reaction was a sense of hatred and bitterness. But then, the following words from Romans 5.5 resonated within her heart. God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given to us. At that moment, Corey says she knew God's love for the man was greater than her hatred for him. At that moment, she was slow to speak. She was quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. And so she looked at the man and she said, Brother, give me your hand. And as the man put his hand in Corey's, she told him, I forgive you everything. In her book, The Hiding Place, she describes what happened next. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands the former guard, and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. That's a teachable spirit. It's a teachable spirit that is a spirit that produces righteousness and can transform people and communities when it doesn't make any sense. I'd like you to bow your heads. And we're going to close this morning with a couple of songs instead of just one. The first one is a new song that will help us reflect on the words from James. All of us get angry at different situations for different reasons. But all of us have the opportunity to not respond with God's anger, I mean, with anger, but to respond with God's grace. So I'd like you to think for just a moment before we sing about any situation that you're facing.
It can be a personal situation you're facing. Or it can be just something going on in the culture that just makes you so upset. And I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come right now and implant the Word of God deep in our hearts so that in place of a religious spirit of anger, we have a teachable spirit that allows the Word of God to be implanted deep in our souls so we can experience the love of God like Corey Tin Boom described. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, as we did earlier once again, but this time we ask you to come and fill our hearts with your love. Fill our hearts with the deeper understanding of how much your love has restrained your anger from us. So help us to live like your children and express that kind of same love to each other and to those around us so that we might experience the salvation of our souls and not only that, that people around us would experience your salvation too. We ask in your name. Amen. Please stay seated as the worship team teaches us this new song. Father, we want to thank you this morning that the truth is heaven has fallen down on us through your son Jesus. Out of his willingness, he came for all of us. Out of your willingness... You let Him do what He did at the cross for us. And then the Holy Spirit, out of His willingness, comes and helps us to change our hearts. And so, Lord, help us to carry the Spirit of Heaven everywhere we go this week, with our families, to one another, to our workplaces, to stores when we're shopping. Help us to carry that sense of Heaven and to bring the righteousness and the peace and joy of the Holy Spirit into all of those places. I want to bless you with the word of the Lord as you get ready to go. I want to thank the worship team. Glad to have Josh help us today with percussion. And uh, so extend your hands to receive this. These verses, it's actually just one verse at the end of 2 Corinthians that represents heaven the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And may He go with you as well. Amen.